where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this, you get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair. Have you ever wondered how to take action when you're inspired to make a difference? Tonight, we're going to find out with my guest, Jacques Equier. Hi, I'm Connie Bramer. Welcome to Laughter and Inspiration. Most of you know me as the founder of Get Your Rack Back, or GYRB as we call it for short. It's my foundation that provides cancer patients in upstate New York, the 518 area specifically, with gas and grocery gift cards and medical copayment assistance. And I'm always interested to talk to people who have had the same you know, passion to start something. And that's why I wanted to inter interview Jacques because we both went through the whole 501c3 process to start a foundation and it's a lot of work. And I always want to find out what drives people. So before you meet Jacques, I just want to tell you a little bit about him. He is the founder of the 4S for Life Foundation and also the 4S for Life podcast network. Our podcast has got that going on. And 4S, I thought this was really amazing, stands for Strength, Survival, Sacrifice, and, and um, Struggle. And I think that those four things, I think you picked great things to talk about with this, Jacques, because those are four words I think that really apply to life. And Jacques also is a wonderful public speaker. And he is, I call him the king of doing Facebook lives because I kind of suck at it. And I always look at his because it's just, they seem so seamless. So I wanted to talk to him because, you know, he and I both have a similar plight with our foundations and that the money that we raise with all of our events that we do goes directly to help people in our, in our communities. So I just wanted to have him on the show to talk about what he does. So thanks so much for being on the show, Jacques. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, I love talking with you. We've had several uh, <clears throat> conversations. And for those people out there, the, the one connection that uh, Kanye and I have is she knows that my mother passed from breast cancer. So Get Your Rack Back resonates with me. And I think that was part of the reason I was drawn to you in the first place. Um, you know, obviously losing my mother and what you do with Get Your Rack Back. And as I said to you, the uh, feelings mutual as far as what you do in the community, what you do for cancer patients, uh, I'm in awe of, of what you do on a, on a daily basis. So, Well, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, the one thing that I, I have a lot of things to, I wanted to talk to you about. So I actually wrote them all down so I didn't forget anything. So you have this incredible mission to bring hope and joy to people. I mean, that just permeates from every single thing that you do. And the one thing that I noticed that you were doing, you know, during this pandemic, because we're still kind of coming out of it and you know we've got shutdowns in other states where we can't go without being quarantined for a couple of weeks so it's really still very much a live thing you were having meals um brought to um essential workers what inspired you to do that well <clears throat> we did uh, a, a two-fold sort of attack on covid so the feed the front lines 
Because those people were working, you know, 17, 18, 24 hour shifts without any breaks. And they were literally on the quote unquote front lines and they were in the trenches when, you know, the other people were getting laid off, people were losing jobs, but they had to go to work each and every day to take care of our sick, our families, our loved ones that were suffering. And they did it without complaining. Uh, they did it every day. That was their job. So I felt a little bit of recognition to go their way was to give them a nice, either hot or cold meal delivered from a, lo a local restaurant, which is why it worked so well. Because what we did is we took donations from local businesses and individuals, opened up a separate account off the 501c3. We took that money and we went to small businesses that were suffering and we ordered the food from them to give them a little business to keep their lights on and pay their employees. Mm -hmm. And in turn, took that to everybody from sheriff's department to the hospital multiple times, nursing homes, uh, the post office. I mean, things that people weren't even thinking of. We did over 105 first responder staffs in three months. That is really incredible. And I watched a lot of the videos of the delivery and the pictures. And I think people were really happy about it. You know, I mean, I think we're living in such a time, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier before COVID we were living in a tough time where people were not like people weren't feeling appreciated. Right. And now you dry, you dive into a spot where now they've got to work all the time and feel unappreciated. And I think it was something, a great gesture that you did to make people feel good about what they're doing, you know, cause it is tough when, you know, I was working from home and I thought about all the people, you know, my daughter's going to college to become a nurse. And I, and all I thought about was, you know, soon, you know, she'll be on the front lines doing that same thing. And, you know, will she feel, you know, appreciated by doing that? So one of the things I really admire about you, is that your dog's barking or my dog's barking? Yeah, they're in the background upstairs. I don't know what they're barking at. So sorry to the, I, oh, we no. have five standard poodles, so. No, don't worry about it. I laugh about it because I was telling you earlier, I did a podcast the other day and I could hear my, I don't hear, but I could hear my dogs barking in the background. I was well, if they're not yours, they're mine. So one yeah. or the other. <laughs> well, one of the things I really admire about you is that you, you tackle a lot of tough topics. And I think there are things that people need to talk about maybe they don't want, they kind of shuffle it under the carpet, but you talk about some really tough things like suicide and drug addiction. And obviously you and I share the same thing with cancer and bullying. You know, I know you talk about a lot of tough topics. You have given people a platform to have these conversations in a safe, in a safe space. So what drove you to talk about these topics? Well, I guess the answer is twofold. So one, I like to tell people that I've lived through the mental health minefield is what we'll call it. So as you mentioned, I was bullied for two years as a kid, as a, as a, in grammar school, elementary school, physically, mentally, emotionally uh, abused, I guess, uh, led to a, a depression that I've dealt with for over 30 years. Uh, also a, a cocaine addiction. I've cleaned 25 years from my drugs and multiple suicide attempts. So I've literally walked the walk, so I feel I can talk the talk, I guess is the old adage. And I just felt that if my story could instill hope in other people saying that no matter how hard things get, you can come out of the other side. Does it take work? Yes. Does it mm -hmm. take admitting that you need support, that you need, you know, I don't want to say help is such a uh, generic word. So I like to say support. You just need some kind of guidance to get you through there and just know that um, it is possible that there's, it's, it's not a never ending cycle. Once you hit bottom there, the only way to go is up. So, um, and the, all those topics are taboo. Nobody wants to address oh, them right. because they have stigmas attached to them. And 
Uh, why aren't we able to do that, especially with men? I mean, obviously, I focus a lot on men with mental health because we are not allowed in society due to the alpha male complex that we're not allowed to cry. We're not allowed to hug another man. We're not allowed to you know, show our emotions. Well, I want to shatter that stigma because I think us as men, we have dreams and aspirations and fears, and there's nothing wrong with me going up and hugging another man or crying on another man's shoulder. That's, that's humanity. You're a human being. Set aside men, women, genders, religions, sexual orientations. You're a human being. And why aren't we allowed to do that? So I think it's important for us to get that message out that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, and we need to be able to talk about it. Absolutely. That's you know, the only... Uh, that's the, only way, that's the only way to, to move forward, I think, is mm -hmm. to really talk about it. And that's the mm -hmm. same thing with cancer patients. You know, it, it, we have that commonality, you and I, with, the, what, with we're, what we're trying to tackle as far as helping others or being support, as you say, which, you know, of, of course goes without saying. But I think that it's important that people feel that they're in a space that they can have the conversation. And I think the more we have the conversation, the more people will feel comfortable having the conversation. You know, I, I listened to one of your podcasts the other day about, um, you know, a friend of yours whose son had died from a heroin overdose. And that is real life stuff. That's going on in our town, Jock. You know what I mean? Like that's, we're not, I don't know what the answer is. I think a lot of it is what you said before about, you know, what are we doing? We're, we're self-medicating. A lot, you know, and I mean, I put a post up the other day joking about self-medicating and then I thought about it. I probably shouldn't have read it. I shouldn't have said it, but I was laughing about the liquor store giving me a prescription. It was actually, yeah, a receipt. Well. <laughs> but that was a joke, but you know, it's true though. And that, and it leads to really difficult times for families. And I think that, you know, I know of someone whose son has passed from a drug overdose and as an outsider, or even as a friend, you know, what do you say? to make that better for that person, there's nothing you can say. Or someone who, whose family member commits suicide, like what do you say to those families? That's, that's the thing that, you know, you leave all these people behind and that, that pain. I mean, I have a friend whose son committed suicide and it's, it was heart, it's been heart-wrenching. So, you know, what do you say to those families? Because I know that you give support to families. Yeah, I mean, we, just so, you know, people do know once we hopefully get out of this COVID uh, debacle that we do offer we started to offer free community support groups for everybody uh we were doing four different groups we were doing a domestic violence group which was really it sounds a little odd but it was actually me leading the group and when we started it it had 12 to 14 women i didn't think they were going to open up and they opened up to me because I, as i still as an example i started the class out with um i know it seems really funny to all you ladies that here's a, a man Normally, you're a, you're, you're attacker, you're aggressor, standing in front of you doing a domestic violence class, but I want you to understand that there are good men out there, that there are men that do love women for, for who they are, for what they are. But I also want to understand what you go through as the victim. So it's, it's, a, it's a big way to educate me you know, on how I can help others moving forward. And I think that's sort of taken aback. You know, some of them are taken aback, and they just started sharing things. Uh, and so it was very enlightening. So we do a domestic violence group. We do a couples cancer group, which would be right up your alley. And what that is, mm -hmm. is we bring the couple in. So say if it was, we'll say you and your husband, you came in and we talk about how you feel as the individual going through it. And then we talk to your husband as being the support system. And you sort of bring that together because a lot of couples don't talk about it. 
especially men. They don't want to open up about it. Maybe they're scared. Hey, I'm scared that my wife Connie's got cancer. I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. Well, here's your chance within a group of other people that are going through similar circumstances. And then you bring that home with you. And I've had a lot of people that are like, man, I can't wait till this starts again because we'd like to get involved. Um, I have my anti-bullying campaign, Become a Buddy, Not a Bully. And I have a conscious men's group, which teaches men how to be vulnerable in front of other men. And that's a huge one um, that I take pride in and I lead that group. So to talk to people when we do one-on-ones and groups, the first step is you have to admit that you need support. Again, I'm not going to use help. You need to use support. You have to reach out. It's with anything. It's with gambling. It's with cancer. It's with any. You need to, to be the one to reach out. There are things out there. There are hotlines and groups. You just have to seek them out. So you have to put the work in. That's why it goes yeah. back to what I said early on. I mean, it, it's not easy. Going through addiction is not easy. Surviving suicide attempts not easy. Battling depression, anxiety, not easy. But you have, you have to put work into it. And, uh, you know, that's just, you have to take the first step. And that's reaching out to someone that you trust, family, friends, or otherwise, and saying, look, I'm having a bad time with whatever it is. I need to talk. Start there. Or start yeah. with us. We like to say that 4S for Life is a starting point. Let us help you, direct you in the avenue that you need to get to. Well, you're doing some pretty amazing work. You know, and, and, and I want to talk about the bullying campaign because, or anti-bullying, rather. Um, yes. You know, I was bullied, you know, and I know that everyone has either one been bullied, two witnessed it, or three been the bully, right? Mm -hmm. So, or four sat by silently and did nothing, you know? And I just had to tell you this quick story about my son, Alex. He was on the bus, and I think he might have been like fourth grade. And this kid on our bus was terrorizing this other kid. So my son went up to talk to him. And this is like, I don't condone this behavior, by the way. <laughs> but he goes up to this kid and the kid said something to my son and Alex punched him in the face. And I don't condone that at all. So, I mean, he's like, maybe not even fourth grade. It might have been like second grade, the more I think about it. So the bus driver, the kid that got punched went to the bus driver and said, you know, Alex, you know, punched me in the face. He goes, well, you shouldn't have had your face there. That's what the bus driver is. Good but one. It's a good one. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that, like, I've always told my kids, don't sit by and watch it happen. Like, don't, you know, a side note to Alex from now on, don't <laughs> throw a punch. Well, no, but, I, I think that the, the problem with it is, is that most kids, especially when we're dealing with kids, Right. Is that they don't want to become the target. And that's their biggest fear is that, hey, if right. I step in, the bully's going to turn around and now I'm the target and not right. the other child. So it's one of those fine, those fine lines. And what I would actually like to do at some point when we get back to normal is I'd like to get into the schools and I'd like the schools to give me the hard cases. I want, mm -hmm. I, I'd like to sit down with them because us as parents or society like to just cast off these kids and say, oh, you know what? He's this way, he, you know, so-and-so, little Johnny is a pain in the butt because of this. We don't try to find out what's going on in their world. Those kids could be victims of abuse. They could have lost a parent. A right. uh, parent could be in jail. But, I mean, there could be so many circumstances, but mm -hmm. we don't take the time because it's easier just to say, oh, well, they're just a brat or this girl so-and-so. We just cast them off. Well, we can't do that because they're, they're, bullying is a cry for help. You know, that's mm -hmm. what it is. A bullies bully to get uh, attention. So what are they lacking in their lives? So if we can sit down with those kids and say, say Alex, we'll just, because you gave me his name, we'll say, Alex, you know, why did you feel, say he was the bully? Why did you feel the need to go up and, and call Tommy names and then push him into a locker? What is going on in your life? Is there something that we can talk about? Is there something going on in home or school? This is a safe place. 
Feel right. free to talk. And then what I would do is I would get into how I was bullied and say, listen, and I became a bully later on. I mean, because I, I honestly did as I got older, um, I would look, you know, to instill my will because I was like, you know what, I'm not going to let it happen to me, but it wasn't the right answer. And I learned and I sort of, you know, but I think it's just a matter of um, teaching our children that, you know, bullying happens to adults too in the workplace. I mean, it's not just a children's oh, yeah. thing. People automatically think bullies and they think kids. People mm -hmm. at, at workplaces get it the same way. And adults, yeah. what, what man is going to come out and say, hey, I'm being bullied at work? Again, it goes back to the men thing. It's like, they're not right. going to go, oh, man, John is, is really, you know, coming down on me or calling me. You're not going to say that. Well, so I, think that, I think the thing that makes it worse right now is that we live in an age of social media. I mean, oh, yeah. we grew up where, I mean, you saw some kid on the bus or you saw him at school or, you know, wherever. I guess the thing I think about a lot is, um, you know, how can we, how can we remedy that part? That's so hard because it's so much easier just to be mean in words and just send it off when you don't have to face the person. I mean, we just live in such a different age. You know, and I like, like, and aside from that, I was telling my kids recently with the whole pandemic thing, they came home from college and they had to sit home and they had Wi-Fi, they had FaceTime, they had Netflix, right? And I was telling someone recently, can you imagine like if this all happened when we were kids, <laughs> you'd have the 15 foot extension, you know, the, the cord for the phone and my mother would be like, your 10 minutes is up, you know? So yeah. we just, we just live in a different world. And it, it's, I think you're touching on a lot of topics that people need to talk about. We need to have the conversation, you know? So I have, I always throw out a few questions. So one mm -hmm. of the questions I wanted to ask you, and you know, I'm going to answer it too. Um, if you could have a dinner guest, you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Mm, wow. You know, I know it sounds probably like the generic answer, but I don't know if I could choose, but I, I would like it to be one of my parents. I mean, obviously both of them have passed on. Um, I mean, that's tough. Um, I'm going to say nothing against my dad. I hope, you know, dad don't look down on me harshly, but I'm going to say my mother. Yeah. And um, the reason being is my mother and I, I was the third of four children. So, you know, I was even closer to my mother than my sister was. And obviously you would think the female, female, uh, but my mother and I just had a phenomenal relationship. I could talk to my mother about anything and everything. I mean, she was, uh, she was hard, but she was fair. Uh, we went, you know, uh, we went to Catholic church and, and, um, you know, I was always an altar boy. She got me into public speaking. You can thank my mother because I was actually a lector. I used to read at church. That's how I started public speaking is I got comfortable enough to speak. And of course, here's my mother beaming. She was a part of the choir. Here's my son. And it was a, a big thing, but I just think, uh, just, you know, to, um, reinforce what I'm doing and maybe I would have loved to have my mother be a part of the foundation. I think she would have been huge, especially if she could have survived her battle with cancer and be able to do these discussions um, as a, as a cancer survivor, 10 year cancer survivor. But she was just, um, she was an amazing woman in, in every capacity. And I, you know, I miss her every day. And I, I think that would be my choice. Well, interestingly enough, that is exactly my choice is that to go out, you know, to have my mom, my mom was, just an extraordinary person. And, you know, my dad always says she was an angel on earth. And a lot of people said that about her. She just had this way about her. And, you know, she's died of breast cancer. Um, it'll be 25 years soon. And uh, I think about her every day. Like she missed out on all the life milestones, you know, and I, and I would, and I hope that she's had like everything that I do with my foundation is 
is with my mother in mind. Like, I think I would have started this even if I had not had breast cancer because I just saw so much with my mom and I, I, I would hope that she would have been a part of mine too. So that's interesting that we both were like fricking frack, Jack. But it's funny that you say that because you're the same way that I'm a lot of times and you find yourself every once in a while, I'll put out there, wow, I really hope my mom and dad are proud of me. And I'm seriously yeah. the same thing. Even though we know we're doing the right thing, we're doing all that we can. It's just nice to know, wow, they'd be looking down going, hey, you know what? You're doing an amazing thing. You just keep pushing forward. And I, and I always believe in, in signs. Like my mother's symbol is a butterfly and my dad's is a bird of prey. That's just how I associate. So I'm having a bad day or I'll look up and just say, man, I just need some direction. Am I doing the right thing? And oddly enough, I'll either see one or the other. Normally it's a bird of prey. It's my dad just hanging out and I'll always look up and say, hey, big guy, you know, I get it. And I feel chills like now even talking about it because it's just, it just happens at the worst times and there he is. And it's just his way of saying, I got you, you know, I'm with you. Well, mine, oddly enough, is the smell of stargazer lilies. So when I had my cancer, um, one at my office at the time had sent me a dozen stargazer lilies and I cannot stand those flowers because it reminds me of my mother's funeral, you know, cause those are the flowers that like really smell, you know? Right. So I have my mom, my mom has a drop leaf table. It was like her pride and joy. I mean, she had a silver set on it and every Saturday, like without fail, she would shine her silver. She would wipe the table. You know, it was, she would be very disgusted with me if she could see this table <laughs> right now. But anyway, <laughs> I had put the flowers on that table and then I removed them like when they died and I walked by the table and I smelled the flower and I'm like, did something fall under the table? So I'm on my hands and knees. My kids are like, mom, what are you doing? And I don't see any flowers, but the smell was really strong. And I said to the kids were little, then I go, do you guys smell flowers? Like, no, mom. Like they looked at me like I had five heads. Like, no, we don't smell flowers. So I feel like when I smell flowers and sometimes I smell them when I walk by that table, it's just a very odd thing. But sometimes I'll smell flowers. There's not a flower in sight because I kill just about every plant and flower <laughs> that I have in my house. So it's definitely not anything I've kept alive. But that's, is that a weird thing? Like we all have kind of something weird that reminds us or a sign. I don't know what it is that you just said that there's, I don't even know what it was. I wanted to say it was, so there was this aroma. I'm just going to say it was my dad's smell. It was just because you brought this up and I'll, I'll tack it, we'll, we'll tack it real fast. And I, I want to say it was just, I, I kept his watch for so many years in a baggie. It was one of his watches and I, I could open it up and it, it would smell like him. It would be his smell. And I will walk through a grocery store. I'll walk through somewhere. Every once in a while, that smell hits me. Same way we were talking about. He's not around, but all of a sudden I'll catch a whiff of it. And I'm like, is he trying to tell me something or is he just let me know he's here? It could be an old lady. It could be a young kid. He just, all of a sudden I just get this. So it's so funny that we connect on so many different levels that it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Well, I guess that my other question, I have lots of other questions, but here's one I want to talk to you about. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about what inspires us, right? So what is your best tip for making the world a better place? Like what inspires you to make the world a better place? Uh, what inspires me? I just think that all of the, um, all of the people that, um, I guess the foundation has helped and we started doing events probably like you did smaller events and we started doing it for individuals and, I, and I'll always bring up the first one I ever did because it was for cancer. Uh, and I've never taken his wristband off. Actually, it's still right here. And it's, it was a couple of years ago and his name was Camden Wirt and he, uh, 
uh, nine-year-old boy, and he was facing stage four embryonal rhabdomyosarcoma. And what that is, is a, it runs down the jaw. It's a tumor that's in the head that runs down the jawline. It was a horrific story, and uh, we did a fundraiser for him. And he, uh, he's now cancer-free, and he's on the honor roll. I mean, he's beaten stage four. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, here's, a, here's a child. So I always wear the wristband, and the reason I do that, and I have tons of them. I don't even wear my 4S life one, but this one says, hope, fight, believe. And when I think that it gets too bad for me or I think I'm having a really bad day and, man, I can't – like, I'm sure you've gotten them too, even with the foundation. I don't know if I want to push out because I don't know if I can do this. I look down and go, this boy at nine beat stage four cancer. I'm not giving up for anything. Right. So I think the inspiration is just the way you feel when you do it. And you can attest to this. When you – people always tell me, well, I don't know if I have the means to give. Giving doesn't mean monetarily giving money or goods. It doesn't have to be that way. If you go to an event, if you volunteer, if you become part of a foundation, I mean, us as, as, uh, as CEOs or founders, and we have board of directors, we have sub boards, we have committees, there's always a way, and I'm always willing, I don't know how you feel, but I'm always willing to take on an extra person. If they want to be on a, a subcommittee or they want to help in yeah. some capacity, I will never say no. If they're showing the drive to want to be a part of something. So if you stand in a room, if you stand at your, at your GYRB gala or you stand at one of our events and you just take in the moment, and take in the levity of the situation and the love that's in the room between community and family, how can you not want to be a part of that? And I right. think that's what drives people to want to help. Even if you yeah. don't know the person, it just, it gives you that, that sense of, Hey, I did something like you can go home at night and say, wow, I did everything that I could in 24 hours, but man, I made a difference. Just going yeah. up and giving someone a hug or a handshake or whatever it is, you just changed that person's life in that split second. Well, that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, personally, I think the greatest thing that anyone can do to make a, make a difference in the world is to volunteer or to, you know, be a part of something. So, I mean, if people are watching this right now and you're inspired or passionate about something, you need to hitch your ride on a foundation that has the same mission as you. And if you can't find one that has the same mission that you have, make your own. I mean, Jack and I did that. We'll tell you all about it. It's a long <laughs> process, but, um, you know, so well worth it. And, you know, you talk about taking a minute to look at the room. I do that a lot. And I remember when I got married and, you know, that's no longer. But when I got married, <laughs> one of my friends said, you know, you need to take a minute and, like, look around and enjoy the evening. You know, like, look and see all those people are there for you. Well, I do the same thing at my foundation, and it's about people being there for our mission to help people. I mean, you and I both help people local to us. You know, most of the, there's a lot of, I don't want to say big box foundations, they all do wonderful work, but we want to help. We want to give, I don't want to say money specifically, but help support to people right in our neighborhoods. And I think that's a real powerful thing. And I hope that people are inspired to do something. It doesn't have to be for us for life. It doesn't have to be GYRB, mm -hmm. but you've got to find something that you're passionate about. And like you said, it doesn't have to be money. I had a woman say, you know, I don't have a lot of money to give you. I go, I don't want, I, you know, of course we would love donations because right. it goes to help cancer, but your time, help me deliver a basket to a patient. Like, I mean, we don't see the patient specifically, but bring it to the doctor's office for right. me, you know, volunteer on our gala committee. And I don't know about you, but you know, unfortunately I've had to cancel everything so far this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you said that earlier. And I think yeah. that there's a lot of nonprofits in the same boat because uh, obviously, A, you can't do gatherings of more than, you know, X amount of people. And, you know, like I just said that to my wife, I'm like, you know, I can't do our gala or our community social this year. And uh, but I, what I am doing is uh, after I took a nice little 
few week break because my wife said, listen, after the community store and all the stuff that we were doing, and it's funny because people were like, man, you're all over the place. We can't even keep tabs on you. <laughs> and um, but she, my wife said, came to me. She said, you need to take a break because of everything that I've dealt with the mental aspect. I needed to sit down, take a deep breath and sort of refocus and re-energize you know, myself mm-hmm. and take time for my family. Um, but here we are back in the horse again. So what we are doing, and I'll share this with you anyway, because it is so I have a local woman up here. Her name is uh, Heather Lewis, and she's got diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. I'm um, not sure. There's another part to it anyway. Uh, beautiful, stunning woman. Just turned 40. Uh, young children. Her husband's amazing, Kyle. I happened to meet them. And uh, a local business reached out to me. There's a barber shop here that just opened, uh, Myello's, And he goes, listen, I want to do a 24-hour haircut marathon with all the proceeds going to the family. So basically what they're going to do is have five barbers rotating and doing, you know, $20 haircuts, whatever. And everything they make is going to go to the family. So he goes, that's amazing. Right. So, and it's a good, it's a cool concept because you're, you know, you're only allowed one person per chair and one person, you know, on deck pretty much with masks on. And that's how you want to do it. So he, he reached out to me. He said, listen, you do all these events. He goes, I'd love for you to you can help me out. If you, and I said, listen, breast cancer is very big to me. Obviously, with my mother, I said, absolutely. I met her. So I got a food truck on board. We're going to try to do some to-go barbecue with all that food going. We have uh, uh, shirts being made right now. It's called Haircuts for Heather. And um, we're going to go ahead with the event anyway and uh, see what happens. But I just I think there's a need there. And if Coma doesn't like it, then no offense, but tough shit. Because, you know, there's people out there that need help and I am, right. I, I'm not going to cram 200 people in a room but this is mm-hmm. going to be outdoors under two tents and people can come and go and we're going to let it be known live video that it's not something to congregate in you come in you get your hair cut and you donate you leave right um and try to keep it as as as, sim- as, as uh you know simple as possible but uh yeah I'm not gonna I can't do it anyway it's not ours I'm just piggybacking off it he wanted me to be a part of it so I sort of take second fiddle and just said yes we are and the only reason I did that is when he goes out and solicits businesses and things, I said, if you tell him that you're involved with a 501c3, you're apt to get more donations and you're actually get donations because people know that money's going to a safe and secure, right. you know, spot. So, well, you definitely hit on something, you know, unfortunately the need is still there, right? I mean, yep. I still have cancer patients that are asking for services and I literally have not had any events since my diamonds in December event obviously in December. So we had, we've canceled four events. I just canceled my golf tournament. So I'm hoping we're going to be geared up for diamonds in December. I I don't know. I mean, who knows what the heck's going to happen. I'm going to work on, I'm doing an online trivia night, probably going to be doing that in September. So that's coming up, but yeah, that's a great idea. I might have to hit that barbershop up. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but I got to think of something else to do. So I know you've been watching my, um, my laughter and inspiration Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And, tr- and I know you've put up a lot of like inspiring stuff. I lay on the comedy too heavy, I think, but I wanted to, I always ask a guest to listen to one of my little funny sayings and react. So here's the saying, <laughs> I don't care what people think of me. At least mosquitoes find me attractive. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll tell you that after I had chemotherapy, nobody, not even a bug bit me for two years because I was like poisonous. <laughs> but you know, that's the thing with those quotes out there. They're funny because it starts out on the serious, like the, you know, and then you hit them with the, yeah. you know, the laughter on the end of it, which I think is, is really, is really cool because I think we do need that nowadays, but I think we need that, that levity is something to just break all the tension and the stress that's in this world right now. And it's just, 
it's very, very scary. The things that are going on. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm glad my kids are actually grown up because I don't know that I'd want to raise a child in this. This is, this is tough. Yeah. It really you know, is. I, like I had to make, I told my kids I'm making an executive decision and both of them are in college they're a sophomore and junior in college. And I just said, you know, I just can't see, it's not even about the money part so much, although that plays a part, but it's, you know, I can't see sending you to school with all these restrictions. I mean, it's not the college experience for sure. I mean, my daughter's library isn't even open. Like she's got to make an appointment with, I'm like, what am I paying for? One and two, I, I fear that they're going to be, you know, feeling bad and, you know, possibly be depressed sitting in the room 24 seven. So I said, you know what, take a semester and just stay home. They're still going to study, you know, they're still going to take their classes. And so hopefully that, hopefully all that works out, but I can't imagine having young kids like this is a tricky time, you know? Yeah. There's a lot to, a lot to digest out there, but you know, it's, uh, if people, I think even with the pandemic, like the toilet paper thing and all the, if people just went into it with a game plan, I know that it struck everyone sort of off guard, but if you sit down as a, you know, as a unit, as a family and just, you know, everybody went into panic mode and we know that the government feeds off fear and panic. They did a good job of it. You know, they, they put us all on our heels yeah. and um, you know, like you said, it, you know, people that want to help people such as ourselves, when we can't get that money generated, people don't realize that as much as we don't harp on the monetary part of it, it does help make the foundations go. And that's why we do, Diamonds in December, we do our community social. Those are our events and those are the, you know, the events that raise money so we can help those other people. So uh, it is very important to try to do things. And I mean, you know, I think I mentioned to you and I'd love to do something, collaborate with you on something. You know, I mean, cancer is just as much mental health as anything else is. Uh, yes, it You is. know, I would actually, if you, I don't even know if you're around, I think the, the date on our thing is August 9th, which is a Sunday. Okay. So it's going to go all day Sunday. But the reason I was going to ask to see if it's right here in South Lens Falls, but because that you are a breast cancer survivor and this woman is such an empowering person, I think I would love for you to be able to just meet her and maybe just, just even if you chatted with her for five minutes, I think it would really resonate with her. I think it would be good, good for her. Um, I will absolutely do that. I will absolutely I think, do that. I think it would blow her away because she, she I mean, I've met a lot of strong women, but I'll tell you what, this woman, she, I mean, when you look at pictures of her with the long hair and she's a beautiful woman that way. And she came up with the mask on and a baseball hat, but she was bald. She's already got no hair and she still looked just as beautiful. And a lot of women cannot, a lot of people can't do bald, but listen, this woman is stunning at 40. I mean, I just, and to talk to her, it was like talking to my mom all over. It's like, I felt that connection, you know, like yeah. with the breast cancer and what they were going through. And her husband comes up and he gave me a big hug and, and he was in tears. And I said, listen, the best advice I give you is just be there for your family because he's like, well, you know, we, we, we don't know what to say. I said, we want to do this for you, whether you need it or not, it doesn't matter. I just want you to see some community support and see the people that are going to come out to this and touch you in so many different ways. And that's, what's going to resonate with you moving forward. Set aside anything else that you just be with your family and let us do the rest. That's what, that's what a true nonprofit does. If we see every yep. community, we do things in the community for the community. That is the definition of a nonprofit. Other than we don't make a salary. I mean, I don't. People right. always thought I, yeah, like, I don't I either. Must make a lot of money. I'm like, yeah. Uh, Somebody you know. mentioned that to me too, and I'm like, I like work for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually lost more money starting yeah. it than I did get it back. Oh yeah, it does cut. See, the people have it's such a misnomer. People think like you know, I'm rolling in you know Abe Lincoln's or something. I'm not. Oh, it's <laughs> <Abe> it's. <laughs> I'd be funny, but, um, but you know, the thing is that, um, you know, people who do that, you know, start, 
start these nonprofits, like we do it with a passion for it. It's not, you know, there's no ulterior motive there. It's a passion to do good for people. So you and I have talked a lot about, you know, living a life of gratitude. And I've told you before how when I write a letter to a cancer patient, actually, I just did it today for two patients. I, I write to them and I say, you know, it's important to keep a gratitude journal and write down three things every day at the end of the day that you were grateful for that day because it just helps put you in a positive mindset. And it also mm-hmm. takes 21 days to create a habit. And if you do that, you're just, it becomes a habit. So what right. would be your three things that you're grateful for today? Oh, grateful for today. Let's see. Oh, number one, that I'm alive, that I'm still here. You know, I mean, uh, not to say that my, I mean, there's, there's stories that are a lot worse than mine, but I mean, everything that has transpired, you know, people have always asked me, would you change anything? I, I said, no, because I don't know that 4S for Life would be here. I don't know that I would have that passion to help people if I didn't go through it. Yes, it was scary. And yes, it was terrifying at times, but I, I don't think I would change anything. I know that sounds weird, but mm-hmm. so I'm going to say, A, you know, just being alive and, and, and being still here is, is big. I always want to thank, you know, everything for my wife because it wasn't, it takes a strong woman to stand behind the craziness that I put her through with the foundation. And, uh, and I just think, um, People such as yourself, honestly, um, oh, you know, people that are in, well, people that are in the same thing that we're doing. I mean, if we could all band together as nonprofits, I mean, think of the difference we could make. If we took all the nonprofits and we know all the ones in the area, Albany, Connecties, Saratoga, and we just had one massive event at one time, you know how many lives that we could change and make a difference if we all just, and there, there are some that are, you know, a little bit more egotistical than others. But I think if we just drop that and said, listen, our main focus is to help the community in each and every way possible. And we showed camaraderie between all of us. It could resonate a lot with the communities. Right. Because the whole mission is to improve the community and support community members. It's not about me, you, you know, so, nope. so I think that's a great idea. And, you know, it's really funny that you touched on, you know, you wouldn't change anything about your journey because you wouldn't, you might not be, you might not have had four S for life. And I just have to insert a joke because that's just how I am. So <laughs> someone, I know someone on my, one of my friends posted something and said, if you could go to any time, like if you could time time travel right now, where would you go? And I put, January 1, 2021, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then another lady behind me wrote, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything if it was going back because I wouldn't have made the choices I made. So that's why I wanted to bring that up because yeah. you said that. But that's, that's a good way to, a good way to think well, about it. Well, because people always, you know, they always worry about It's like, wow, man, you know, you know we, we always think, my biggest thing that I preach, is, a lot of people have asked me on the end of a Zoom or end of a, a, a podcast, my best advice to give to somebody. And, you know, positivity starts within yourself. And the reason that positivity is so hard is because it takes effort. Negativity takes no effort because it's on the news. It's in the newspaper. It's all around us. And it's so easy to be in a bad mood, to be negative, but to be positive, it actually takes work. So if you can put, you know, the same effort into being negative as you can in positive, and that means every day, whatever you believe in, whatever higher power you believe in, just when you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, Take a deep breath and just thank whoever that you got a chance to live another day. Because there's a lot of people that didn't get that chance. There's a lot of people that aren't going to wake up tomorrow morning. You know, that a lot of people aren't going to wake up tomorrow morning. I mean, it could be me. It could be you. It could be anybody that we know. We have no idea. So when you get up in the morning, if you can start out on that note and take that deep breath, let it resonate with you and say, wow, you know what? Thank God I have have another day. I got another shot at doing whatever you're going to do in 24 hours. Just thank God for that. And you know what? You start there. Little, little baby steps. 
I totally agree with that. So where can people find you and find more information about For Us For Life and your podcast and what you're, what you're doing? Right here on uh, your podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, we have, you know, obviously Facebook page. Uh, we're redoing our website. At, when it's back up and running, it's forestforlife.com. The Facebook page is For Us For Life. I have my own public speaking page, Jacques Equier. Uh, they can message me directly. Uh, we have groups for all of the, we have a Glens for another Glens Falls. We have a forest for life community support group. If you go on Facebook and just look at our groups and forest for life, I have about four or five different groups. They can draw, they can, uh, just, uh, grab onto and, uh, or just reach out to me directly. If you have an issue, if you have something you want to talk about, you are an anything, outstanding, guess, um, per, you're an outstanding person. I'm really like, grateful that you were on the show and I will have your links too on the, after the podcast, like people will have it yeah. on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me on this, on this uh, podcast. Absolutely. Today. Laughter and inspiration. And if you, if anybody wants to find out more about Jacques, myself, or the, this particular episode, just go to speaking to the heart.org for the interactive show notes. And as my mom would say, always leave people better for having known you. I'll catch you next time. Thanks guys. is now an official AT&T retailer. Take advantage of exclusive limited time in-store offers. Get a $100 AT&T Visa reward card when you purchase an AT&T TV package. Switch to AT&T and get a $250 Visa reward card when you buy a smartphone on a qualifying installment plan. Save up to $1,000 instantly when you purchase four smartphones on a qualifying plan. Restrictions and exclusions apply. Offer subject to change and valid in-store only. Call 877-252-3220 or go to your nearest Howard's location for details. Bounce forward with Comcast Business. Get a reliable internet and voice solution starting at $64.90 a month for 12 months for two years. Call or go online today. Restrictions apply to customers only 25 megabits per second service and one voice line. Early termination fee applies equivalent installation tax and visa extra and subject to change. Call for details.